Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience podcast with Jeanette Lissette. Thought leaders explore the mindset, wellness, and wealth needed to realize next level transformation. Let's get started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Lissette. And today's guest is Patty Handy. She's out of California. I'm really excited about having this conversation. Patty is a former financial advisor and mortgage advisor, and she's now a financial coach for women. She spent 20 years in the industry, but felt it was her passion because her passion has a lot to do with educating people, not only adults, but also teens. And she focuses on how to manage money and how to build a positive relationship with money, maybe even peel back the layers on what your relationship with money actually is. Patty is a certified life coach, as well as a certified executive coach, and she's the author of four published books. I welcome Patty to the Next Chapter Experience. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Jeanette. I appreciate you having me. This is going to be a great conversation. I know that you have experienced your own transitions and transformations in your life. Do you want to share a little bit of what that journey has been for you? Yes, it's been like most of us in human life. We all go through these various seasons. I think my first big, I guess, transformation came after my divorce. And it was somewhat of a surprise divorce. I wasn't expecting it. My son was 18 months old at the time. So there was a lot of overwhelm, fear, grief, some trauma, and just the gambit of stuff that you go through as a divorce. That was a pivotal point in my life. Through that pain and through that experience, I I have grown a lot. I have learned a lot. I think some of the most painful experiences we go through in life are the greatest lessons and the greatest experiences for us to become who we are becoming and step into our greatness. I went on to work in the mortgage industry for many years as a mortgage advisor, and then I pivoted to a financial advisor and enjoyed both of those. During those many years, I had so many conversations with individuals, a lot with women who were divorced or widowed and just going alone in life. A lot of the conversation was around the fear of money and managing it. There was a lot of embarrassment, a lot of shame, a lot of just unknown. There was a lot of certainty. And this came up over and over again. It's the pivotal thing for me to decide I'm going to take all this experience that I have with not just work, but in my own life and managing my world in my divorce and that journey and decide to leave the comfort of a corporate job and all of its benefits and go into the world of financial coaching. I work primarily, as you mentioned, with divorced, widowed, and single women and want to really just empower them with financial confidence and certainty and help them to become stable and feel secure. No more fear. I can appreciate appreciate that. So let's talk a little bit about some of the books that you have published. In all of this, then you write four books. Can you talk a little bit about the books that you wrote? Yeah. So all of them happened after my divorce. And another good thing with pivoting, my very first book was a children's book. That was The Feeling in My Belly of Peanut Butter and Jelly. That is a book about just looking at the good in the world and not being sad for no reason. If you can't figure out why you're sad, just focus on what makes you happy. The The other one was 50 Ways to Flourish After Divorce. And it was 50 Things That I Did. It's a quick read. It's a short read. And I did that purposely because when I went through my divorce, Divorce. A friend of mine gave me a book. It was called How to Survive the Loss of a Love. And it was very short and little bite-sized pieces. When you're going through divorce and dealing with grief and all the responsibilities, I, I had no bandwidth. I, I had two minutes of attention span and then I was done. It was like, I need something short and sweet. So I wanted that purposely to be like that. Then I wrote How to Ditch Your Allowance and Be Richer Than Your Parents. And that was a book that was geared for the teens and young 20-year-olds who were looking at just understanding money better and managing that. And then I decided 
decided to rewrite that and update that book. And that is the most current book, which is The Money Rules 101, Master Your Money Before It Masters You. It's really here for the younger adult. However, I've had attorneys read it and financial advisors read it because, and they've learned something from it. It's because I incorporate more than just investing in money. It's a lot of other pieces of our financial health. And it's a great book as well. They're all on Amazon. So easy to find. In your book, Money Rules 101, you dedicated to your mom and your dad. We spoke earlier about some of the foundational pieces that guided you through your development years. You want to share a little bit of that as well? My parents were very instrumental in my becoming financially comfortable with just managing money. There was five kids. I have four siblings and there's me. It's a big family. My dad was the work at work outside the home. My mom was work inside the home. And it was a situation where if I wanted something extra, I had to pay for it myself. So I became very entrepreneurial, very young. At nine years old, I started a candy business. <laughs> I sold candy out of my garage in my house. I, I learned to respect money. I learned to, to manage it and I saving it was important to me. And I just learned the importance of all that. So over time, I became comfortable with it. And because I wasn't fearing of that, I naturally just gravitated towards learning about investing and I gravitated towards understanding that. I graduated with an accounting degree, but I went into at a college. I worked at an investment banking firm. So I followed that passion at a very young start. My parents were very instrumental in helping me with that. Mm-hmm. That's an important piece. Because sometimes it can be missed yes. as you're raising kids, things that are hard and fast right now. Everybody's on mobile devices and I'm not sure people are talking to each other about things like that. But again, through example, in terms of you watching your father work the way he worked, create a household, manage and lead a family and things of that nature. I'm sure you've got some great examples of what it all meant to bring it and keep it tight and together. Because five kids, no joke. Okay. I have one son and I always tell my mom, I have no idea how you did that. I could not even (laughs) fathom five kids. And I remember going to the market, we were all in the line and it was like, how did you keep an eye on all of us? It was this insanity. I come from a family of five girls and it was more than a notion. It was more than a notion. We did not have a lot at all. And there are times when we wanted things and we just couldn't have those things. I believe that's what inspired me to learn how to sew to make my Mm. own clothing. And then it expanded to making drapes, drapes, furniture and all of those kind of things. So I understand that piece. So let's segue a bit to how you work with your clients as a certified life coach. What kinds of conversations do you begin with when you're first starting out? It's important for me to understand what they're going through and what's their pain point and their frustration. I have created a online digital course. It's called Minding Her Money. And it is a very comprehensive program. So they go through that first and they go through that understanding and learning. And then we have group coaching calls on a weekly basis and have conversation with an opportunity to have one-on-one meetings with me as well. As a life coach, one of the things you learn first and foremost is you do very little talking and a lot more listening and very little talking. It's more about asking the right questions and getting into the meat and potatoes of what's happening in their world and then guiding them. There's a delicate balance because in my coaching It's about guiding them to their answer and they come up with their answer themselves. 
although in the Minding Her Money course, it's teaching. So it's a blend of both worlds. I'm doing a lot of teaching and educating through my course. And then when we do the group coaching calls or the one-on-one, it's going more personal and it's more questions and understanding what's happening in their world. At the end of the day, it's really about asking the right questions and having mm-hmm. them find, answer themselves. I also do a lot of educating when it comes to mm-hmm. the money piece. So how does your client know or how do you know when they have reached a level of financial confidence. You talk about that in your Minding Her Money Roadmap. How do you determine that your client has gotten there? Is it just going through the course and as a result of the course, they would have gained financial confidence? What kind of indicators do you look for? That's a great question. So yes, they go through the course and we talk about where they're at the beginning and then we talk about where they're at the end. And then through the boot coaching, we have those conversations. It's hard to put a number. If I were to say on a scale of one to 10, how do you feel now? I could probably wait that way. But it's more of a journey. I think it's not, okay, now I'm 100% confident with everything. Nobody's ever 100% confident with everything, right? We are all on a journey. But they are now able to understand a lot more about the financial investing world and how to go onto a Fidelity website or a Vanguard website and look at a fund and analyze that fund and decide whether those expense ratios make sense and what their performance looks like. That's more the mechanics of it. But I also talk about the money story and the mindset. We talk about self-care and we talk about credit and buying a house on your own. So it's a very comprehensive program. But within that, they come out of it feeling more confident because they have just more knowledge. They may not know everything about everything, but they are comfortable if they decide to work with a financial advisor. And my services are very complimentary to an advisor. I do what they don't do and vice versa. So they now have the questions when they're talking to an advisor. If an advisor asks you a question and is guiding you towards something and you feel a certain way, you have the confidence and the comfort of saying, you know what, I don't understand what you're saying. Slow down. A lot of ladies, I find when I was in meetings, when I was an advisor, um, they wouldn't ask those questions. They would just sit back and just take it all in. And I'm like, no, you need to ask those questions. If you feel uncomfortable, don't worry about how you look or sound or feel or whatever. You just absolutely go in and say, I don't know what you just said. Say it again. Just <laughs> explain it to me. And I want them to feel so confident and comfortable with that. That is just natural. So it's really stepping into their greatness and just feeling confident and comfortable with having those conversations, whether it's with an insurance agent, a financial advisor, an estate planning attorney, or your CPA, or whoever you're dealing with in your life. It's okay not to know, and it's okay to ask those questions, and it's okay to say, I don't get it, say it again. Absolutely. Is there a differentiation with the women that you work with who are in a career and really just want this foundational piece from a personal perspective versus the woman who is in a career, but looking to do something else. I know that you do executive coaching as well. And they're trying to make sure that everything is shored up. So should they make a break from their current employer, they're in a good position. Is there a distinction between the two types of clients for you? I haven't worked in that capacity with a lady who wants to leave her corporate job. I'm sure that will come across in time because Mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of that happen. And that's what I did. But I know that's what you did as well. But yes, you absolutely want to make sure that from a financial perspective, you are completely set up, that's a big leap of faith. And you want to make sure that you don't just jump off the cliff without some net. So yes, when that arises, we would look at their current financial situation. We would analyze their cash flow needs, what their expenses are, do an overview of their spending, what's coming in, what's going out, look at that gap, how you can cover that for the next six months, maybe a year, depending upon how long it is. I also suggest that individuals would 
before they leave their corporate job, start to do some of this on the side, as long as there's no conflict of interest and start that runway so that when you do leave that job, you're not starting from ground zero. You have either made some connections, whether it's products you're making, whether it's a website, you can do a lot of things while you're still employed. So when you do walk away from that corporate job, you are full on running. You're not starting at that point from from ground zero. There's lots of things that we can talk about and put them in a place where they don't feel completely behind the eight ball when they get Mm -hmm. out the door. It's really hard to start from scratch and then to create something without the stress of, oh my gosh, I have this money going out. I have nothing coming in. And there's a calculated risk. But it's interesting. I was having a conversation just this morning with a friend and it evolved around when do you leave your job and when do you take that launch? She was working with a coach and that coach said, if you really want to have true success, quit your job because that's going to create the leverage for you to work your ass off (laughs) and just take that leap. That was that one coach's opinion. But again, I think he was speaking more to that executive who has probably a good year's worth of savings in the bank that they can fall back on. As far as their financial situation, it's very different. So that could make sense for somebody in certain circumstances. There's no black and white answer. One size fits all for sure. But I do Mm -hmm. feel like having some leverage is going to make you work harder and stay focused and stay really driven and not get caught up in the Um, oh, this is fun. I have my own schedule and I can do my own thing. That's all lovely, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And conversely, I was talking to a young lady who I met, she's about 28 years old, beautiful person. She was working a job in Scottsdale. She was really excited about it at first, but after she started to get into the swing of things, she realized it wasn't really what she wanted to do. So Mm. she was going to look for another job. And she says, I don't know if I should leave right now. I said, tell me about your situation. She told me I'm renting a house from a friend. It's very reasonable. I can afford that. I don't have a car note. I've got my own health insurance. I said, quit that job (laughs) and go ahead because you're in a great position. You've got a little bit of money saved up. And what she decided to do was instead of taking this other job to bank on herself and give herself six Mm. months to see Mm. if she can make something happen. And that's what she decided to do. But in her situation, it just made sense. It just made sense. So I think that there's room to go either way, depending on the personal situation that you're in. And I know it sounds exciting to get rid of that boss that's ticking you off on a daily basis, making your blood pressure go up and you're stressed out. But you really do have to think about all of the critical factors in leaving a job that is providing you and your family with a certain lifestyle, if you will. And the benefits for sure. I think the other thing, as I alluded earlier, that if you can generate some cash from your side hustle, I'll call it, or your side business that you're starting to launch and evolve that to the point where it's maybe close to what you're earning, even if it's not what you're earning, but if it's close to what you're earning and you have that momentum started, that's going to really create a great engine, if you will, to make that leap and leave that job. But as we said, every story is going to be different. Everyone's situation is different. Definitely want to have a nice cushion in the bank. Give yourself, like you said, a six-month timeline. But if you can, again, start earlier and just begin to lay that out, create a business plan, talk to people, whatever it is you're doing, if it's a product or service-driven, maybe it's an Etsy store, maybe you're selling on Amazon, maybe you're consulting, coaching, whatever it is, just start to create that foundation and start talking to people. And again, be careful with it not being a conflict. In one of your books, you talked about magnificence and your mindset. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. I was really drawn to that. Yes. So we all have a story 
from a financial perspective, we have a money story. And this money story comes from our childhood. So from birth to age eight, we are an open brain and we are taking in everything that we're hearing from our parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, coaches, teachers, whoever's around us. And it's a complete sponge. We are just completely taking that in with no ability to filter out things that don't make sense or false statements. We just take it as truth. So that becomes our reality. And that's now sitting in our subconscious as a tape recorder. 95% of our external world today is running on this subconscious. So this tape recorder that is creating these limiting beliefs are running our world. What we're tapping into when we tap into our mindset is looking at that subconscious, looking at what stories we heard, really being mindful, really being aware, doing some deep diving. It takes some time to understand what that looks like. It starts with sitting down and writing on a notebook some of the things you heard as a kid. Money doesn't grow on trees. We can't afford that. What do you think? We're rich people are greedy. Or did we hear... There's enough money for everyone. There's an abundant world out there. There's tons of possibilities and lots of opportunities. We got to just be open to them. And so once from a scarcity mindset, once from an abundance mindset. So once we identify where we come from and what we've learned, we can then go, you know what? That's not a true reality for me. That is not a true fact. That's just a limiting belief of what I heard from whoever, which was their limiting beliefs and generations past. Part of that process is looking at those beliefs and then poking holes in them and realizing that those aren't true and unlearning those beliefs and then relearning the reality of what's out there. And the reality that's out there is, yes, there's billionaires everywhere, right? They're all over the place. People are doing magnificent things with their healthy bodies. They're doing amazing things with generations of donations and philanthropic things. And there's a lot of generous, giving, loving people out there. And no, rich people aren't greedy. They are doing wonderful things by giving back. I always say that money makes you more of what you already are. If you're a greedy jerk, you're going to be a bigger greedy jerk. If you're a generous, loving person, money gives you more ability to be more generous, right? So... It's a beautiful thing if you're the right kind of person. <laughs> I'm going to quote you on that. That is okay. really good. It's absolutely how I feel. And I think that if we shift that perspective and we are looking at money as this opportunity that gives us choices and freedoms, it's a beautiful thing. It's not this thing where money controls you and you want money only to buy material items to impress your neighbors, then that's a problem. That's not what it's yeah. about. And I was talking about the language of money and dealing with parents. Even if they are in a situation where they can't afford a particular item, the kid wants an item. And rather than saying we can't afford that, you say that isn't a good use of our money. So one puts you in a position of control and powering of your money. The other one makes you the victim of not being in control of your money. So the message to your kid is more scarcity versus, no, I'm in control of my money. I'm choosing not to purchase this right now because it isn't the best use of our money. Mm -hmm. So that kind of language, if you're a parent listening, be careful and mindful of how you speak to your kids because they're listening <laughs> and they're going to absorb those again, whether it's scarcity or whether it's abundant, they're going to absorb that. Absolutely. Now your son, Blake, how old is he now? He is 27. My gosh. I know. I don't know when that happened. 
I don't know how that happened. I sneezed and he's 27. So how have you seen his development be impacted by what you do and what you did as a mom? It was really important for me when I went through my divorce, not to go back to corporate America. I worked in the nine to five grind before I had him. When I went through my divorce, I thought, no, I'm not going back to that. He already lost a full-time daddy. He's not going to lose a full-time mom. That was one of the deciding factors in getting into the mortgage business. I was good with numbers and math and whatnot, but that allowed me to work at home and I had a flexibility with my schedule. So I got to take him to school every day, pick him up every day. I took him to every practice, sports, whatever he was doing and be with him really on a full-time basis. And then when he got into school, I had more time at the office when he was in class. And so it evolved. So I was very blessed. I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity. And the good thing is today with the opportunity to do things online and the internet, there's so many ways that we can work from home that is giving us as moms that possibility in a much, much easier and better way. Very good. So what's next for you? What are you looking forward to in your business? And how would you like to see things unfold as you continue on? Great question. I keep saying I'm trying to create a movement. I'm trying to help women become badass money managers. At the end of the day, I want them to feel secure and safe. I want them to know that they have this knowledge and to not fear running out of money. A lot of conversations, I'm afraid I'm going to run out of money. I don't want to be a burden to my kids. I've heard that many times. And I want to create this situation where they have this knowledge, they know there's opportunities, they know there's choices and the possibilities are endless. And now that they've got this underneath foundation of knowing how to manage their money, you know, understanding their money story, unraveling that, having the self-care piece, taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of that has to be interwoven. It's not just the mechanics of money. The mechanics of money you can learn online. There's some places you got to be careful, but if you're working with a financial advisor, they're managing your money, but you still need to understand the various pieces to that. It's not just about trusting somebody to manage your money and taking care of your credit and making sure that's good because having a bad credit score can cost you thousands and tens of thousands over time. So it's really about just having that comfort. My course is all virtual. So I'm trying to reach the US and and have that transformation for women to sleep at night peacefully at the end of the day. I did have another question. What is the demographic that you serve mostly in terms of age? I would say the majority are over 50. They are recently divorced or widowed. There are some that are single by choice that just have never wanted to get married, but they're usually the 50 and older and looking at retirement and want to make sure that they're set themselves up for retirement and that they are on the right path and they can retire. I don't get too many 20, 30 year olds that are looking for this. Although it's so important because if they understood this in their 20s and 30s and they understood the power of compound interest and saving early and setting yourself up for retirement, that would be a great piece. My program is a digital course and I say, please share with your kids. You're welcome to share this with your kids, teens, 20, 30 year olds, because they will learn something and this will set them up in a very different trajectory than they would be if they didn't know this stuff. I'm hopeful. I keep thinking that if I reach a thousand women and then they can reach a thousand women, or they can impact their family, their loved ones, the ripple effect of what that is in the world. That's huge. That's a beautiful thing. And our stress level will come down because money creates lots of stress or lack of money or lack of understanding it, just money topics. To your point about sleep, it's like the monkey mind and calming that and quieting that. Yeah, That's part of my movement. We're here to enjoy life and have fun and not be always struggling and stressed. And if I can help shift some of that, then 
that's a beautiful thing. Appreciate that. I know one of the questions that you do ask is what type of lifestyle do you want to live? I think when you start to go a little deeper, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of things come out. At the end of the day, most people have told me that they simply want peace. Yes. They want peace. They want peace of mind. And with peace of mind comes the confidence that your health is in good shape. Your finances Mm -hmm. are in good shape. Your family is in good shape. It's just peace. So I really appreciate that question. How can listeners and our viewers contact you? If they go to mindinghermoney.com, there is a roadmap that I've created. They can download the roadmap and watch a short training. Find me on social, patty.handy. Patty's with an I, Handy's with a Y. On Insta, LinkedIn, and Facebook is where I spend most of my time. I'll definitely make sure that your link is included in the show notes. Patty, I appreciate the time we've had together. I was really curious as to how you worked and who you worked with. Probably my first guest that works with that demographic of women specifically from an age standpoint and from a circumstance standpoint. I definitely appreciate the work that you're doing and it is important. So please continue on. We'll make this movement work together. Like you said, it's just one drop and it creates that ripple and that Mm. other ripple and that additional ripple. And before you know it, we have a much higher consciousness and mindfulness of what this is really all about. I think this is a beautiful thing. Again, thank you so much. Thank you, Jeanette. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.